0: This episode of the Flathead Beacon podcast is brought to you by Swenson Real Estate, service before self. With over 30 years experience, they've seen it all. Contact Jeff and Lorena today at 406-253-0033. That's 406-253-0033. Swenson Real Estate, service before self. Hello, and welcome to the Flathead Beacon podcast. I'm Andy Viano. In just a moment, I'll be joined by Pat Barkey, the director of the Bureau of Business and Economic Research at the University of Montana, to talk about this week's cover story, Now Hiring. In her piece, my colleague Maggie Dresser writes about the myriad job openings in the Flathead Valley and the struggles businesses are having to find employees even as the economy starts to emerge from a pandemic-driven recession. Pat will talk about what's causing the challenges, what could possibly be done to fix them, and why this all could be the market playing itself out, even if it forces businesses to act in a way that they'd rather not. And stick around after that interview for a rundown of the biggest news stories from the last seven days that you may have missed. But first, a reminder that all of the work we do with the Flathead Beacon, including this podcast, is made possible in part by the Beacon Editors Club. Members contribute as little as $5 a month to keep our work going, and they can get some great perks, too. To join the club or learn more, visit BeaconEditorsClub.com today. And it is my pleasure today to be joined on this episode by Pat Barkey. He's the director of the Bureau of Business and Economic Research at the University of Montana. Pat, thank you so much for taking a little time to talk. My pleasure. So our cover story in this week's Beacon is written by my colleague, Maggie Dresser, and it's about an issue that I suppose is not new in Flathead County, but is not improving. Uh, and if anything has gone the other direction, and that is the difficulty that businesses here are having in hiring and maintaining a workforce. And, and Pat, I, I guess maybe to start a little bit more broadly, how, how unique is that issue to Flathead County or even to Montana in general right now?
1: Well, it's, it's not unique, but it's surprising nonetheless. It's surprising because it comes within a stone's throw of the, the worst recession we've seen in our lifetimes when recessions throw people out of work. So, the natural inclination is to suppose that uh, people would be hungry for job opportunities. In fact, a few short months after that, uh, dramatic uh, upheaval in the job market. Uh, here we are in the summer, approaching the summer of 21, with uh, employers telling us that they have, are having difficulty filling open positions. Uh, it's not unique to Flathead, Flathead and Gallatin uh, have had this issue, recession or no. Have had this uh, issue many times, particularly because their seasonal uh, workforce requirements are are fairly high. Because they their key industries, most notably uh, serving visitors to Montana, are labor intensive, uh, and the needs all happen at once. And those young people they would like to hire are themselves enjoying the uh, the scenery. So it's it's always been an issue, but it's surprising as we sit here in 2021, uh, that this is suddenly uh, mushroomed and yet there it is. It's certainly a problem.
0: What are, what are the, the reasons for it? And I know that's not a simple answer, it's a, it's a multifaceted problem, but can you walk through some of, I guess beyond just the seasonality, which you've already mentioned, why else uh, employers are having trouble finding workers?
1: Well, the, the labor market is a market like any other, right? I mean, we've all seen what's happened to housing markets. Those are markets as well. And there's a supply and demand aspect to those, and uh, it is certainly uh, something that is not, you know, it's there's a lot of factors uh, affecting both sides of the marketplace. There are some rather unique things happening right now, though. Okay, the first is that we're in a uh, unprecedented period where big pieces of the economy are suddenly being opened up. It's like padlocks are being uh, unlocked, doors are open. You know, my people like my father-in-law, myself, for that matter, were going out to eat, et cetera, all at once, not literally, but, but in a short span of time. Uh, so we, we're seeing a, an increase in demand that is greater than just what happens when the weather gets nice and, and people start arriving here. So that's one factor. Another factor is that we're in a unique situation in that the federal government has really been pressing hard on the gas pedal. Uh, when it comes to uh, helping the economy, and in particular uh, there are there is now a saying it 's a little cynical, but it 's true among many Montana employers is that they 're used to competing with each other, but now they 're competing against the government and what they mean by that, of course, is the fear that over generous uh, or maybe just adequately generous uh, government payments to help unemployed workers. Are, are reducing the incentive for those people to work. They can enjoy their summer and still have the means to enjoy it, et cetera. So that's that's an, that's an unprecedented thing that's happening. But, you know, going back, even predating the recession, predating the pandemic, which seems like a long time ago as we speak, but really on the calendar, not that long ago, there is the, um, the fact that we're trying to staff up in many cases in communities such as yours, we're starting to staff up some very labor-intensive uh, industries that have a lot of uh, labor needs. And collectively, when all employers try to do that at the same time, it hits the market with something uh, which has always been difficult for the market to digest, as I've described.
0: What are possible solutions, though? I and mean, I think some would, would say just throw more money, right? Pay people more money, and, and they'll come back to work. What, what are some, some answers that, that are reasonable that, that could help, in your opinion, here?
1: Well, what I, what I like to tell people is that the labor market, like every other market, will solve any kind of imbalance. You just might not like the solution, right? So the solution to employers who cannot expand, who cannot open because they can't, they can't expand their hours, uh, one solution is they don't. It's 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 not a solution we like to see, but that's but that's part of the solution in any kind of shortage situation. You adjust you adjust your demand accordingly. I think the uh, the and, and there will be some of that happening in longer lived situations. What you expect to see is uh, some change in the technology. So if that's a restaurant, it might be more drive-in. Of course, this is this. Sounds a little funny coming off of COVID because we've already been there, right, uh, in terms of takeout and, and driving. But nonetheless, some sort of adjustment in technology that reduces labor needs, that's a fancy way of saying, you know, you you cut back on the things that require people or you, if you can, you substitute machines, whatever you can do. Uh, another solution, as you mentioned, is paying people more, and that's happening as well. I mean, we've heard, uh, and there's, there's no central policy making people do this, uh, but you hear all kinds of stories. You hear stories about, uh, fast food restaurants, uh, giving people $200 just to show up for a job interview. Now, what does that mean? Well, you know, I mean, that's, they've learned, right? They've learned that if you get someone to see the workplace, to understand the job, to shake your hand, to realize you might, it might be a good place, you know, that kind of thing. That's an innovation. Uh, it's also a, uh, an increased cost, but it's, it's a, uh, it's it's a market, right? I mean, you, you make it, you make these kind of adjustments. That's probably a solution that uh, people like a little bit more. People like the idea of jobs being preserved. People like the idea of jobs paying more. But you know, when jobs pay more, they have to produce more as well. So, there there is there is an underlying requirement there, right? So, you know, boy, there's there's lots of other solutions as well. One that's very common, and, and as a reality, is that you uh, you realign your your um, your job description, so uh, you you basically take the people's responsibilities that you can't hire for, and spread them spread those out amongst the people that you have, which is uh, sounds like a great solution until you realize that you're you're stressing your your original workforce and you're you're raising the threat that that they will grow dissatisfied, retire earlier, whatever. These are all incremental solutions. It gets you towards balance. I will say that there is a tendency. Uh, of people who, um, to, to blame the market for outcomes they don't like. So in other words, if I'm an employer and I've always hired my temp help at $9 an hour and I put the ad out for $9 an hour and nobody comes, I say, boy, the market's all screwed up, you know? I mean, this market doesn't work. Uh, well, the market has, it's working fine, but the market wage is now higher than what you're offering, right? And so you can, you can blame the market, uh, and many like to do that. But in fact, the market is just—it's—it's—it's—it's—it's cooking up the solution. You just might not like it,
0: for sure. Let let me go back to one thing you said just a minute ago that that made my ears perk up a little bit. This idea that you can find ways to do business maybe with less staff, whether that's like you said, spreading some of those responsibilities out to other people, or doing some things via technology or, or even automated. That just from a from a amateur perspective, sounds a little scary long-term if all of a sudden we're, we're being able to do the same jobs without hiring or, or paying the same uh, people to do them. Are there risks associated with, uh, if that happens, that, that could affect us long-term or affect the market long-term?
1: Well, there are risks, you know, it's kind of interesting in the pandemic to ask a question about risk, because if anything, this <laughs> pandemic is real, it's made us recognize it's the fact that Most of us don't process risk very well. There's risk every day. I mean, every day a business owner unlocks their door, there's some kind of risk out there, right? So, uh, But I understand what you're really saying. Uh, You're saying from the point of view of an individual business, if you transform your business in such a way, uh, as I mentioned, in terms of, uh, you know, replace people that say hello with machines, uh, you know, get rid of your receptionist, all these kinds of things. These things are happening all the time. I suppose you would say there's a risk in being maybe the first mover on these things. I think that's certainly the case. I mean, there's there's always a risk when you innovate in any way. Now, innovate makes it sound positive. You know, everyone likes innovation. But a lot of innovations are silly and they turn people off. And, you know, so there's there's risk in innovation. So I would say these kinds of things are happening all the time. I think uh, in the case of a situation like we're in now, you may find people overcoming their hesitancy to do some of these things, because now they have, or they may feel like they have fewer alternatives. There's a couple other things we haven't mentioned, by the way, uh, and and a big one is immigration. I mean, immigration has been uh, the savior of many, many labor markets from the point of view, especially of employers, but I would argue for customers as well. And that policy is sadly broken. And it's a shame. And we're seeing some of the results of that today in, in the sense that it has always been a safety valve, particularly for entry-level jobs, that I, I would argue, uh, if, I, if I were king for a day, you know, I would, I would, I would fix that because I think it's win-win for, for a lot of people.
0: And that, just to put the, the fine point on is the fact that, that immigration has been paused or stopped for, for the better part of the year because of the pandemic, correct?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, it has also been trending down, right? Uh, you know, in in the in everything from refugees to uh you know, the H1 visas and I mean, it it's across a wide spectrum and it it really um, you know, and and there we are. I I think that's uh that's that's immigration uh, you know, not to get on a pulpit here, but you know, immigration is one reason why uh, the u s growth rate has historically been well uh, quite a bit higher than europe but we're we're an economy that is 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 has historically been more welcoming and there you go i mean so you know i don 't think we 've exhausted all the solutions, but uh you can tell none of them are magic bullets and uh they're all working quietly in the in the sidelines i, I you know in the same line as immigration i mean this doesn 't this doesn't apply to personal service industries, but there are a lot of industries you can outsource, right? I mean, you can't find anyone to, uh, to run your lathes in your machine shop, uh, so you, you buy your modules or whatever, you, you know, outsource the work, and that's another solution that uh, from a business owner point of view, they may have been reluctant to do it for a lot of reasons, loss of control, loss of quality, but those kind of, and, and making that change certainly is risky. But you can see the forces that are driving them to it.
0: Well, I won't take up any more of your time, Pat. Thank you so much. It's been a really uh, informative conversation. I, uh, I appreciate it.
1: My pleasure, Andy. Good luck up there. Thanks again to Pat
0: Barkey for joining the show and for the work he and his colleagues do at the Bureau of Business and Economic Research at UM. And don't forget to read Maggie Dresser's cover story, Now Hiring, for free in this week's Flathead Beacon, which is on newsstands now or at flatheadbeacon.com. And before we get to this week's headlines, Dr. Mark Remington of Glacier Eye Clinic has a message from our sponsor this week. I've known Jeff for probably around 20 years. Very good friend of mine. He's helped me both personally and professionally in the real estate market. He is super ethical, super knowledgeable. He's prompt, he'll return your calls, and he'll steer you in the right direction. As a friend, he's been service before self. Contact Swenson Real Estate at 406-253-0033 today. And now here are the biggest news stories from the last seven days as of 9pm on Tuesday, April 20th. Around 25% of Flathead County residents are currently on pace to be fully vaccinated against COVID-19, but health officials are noticing a significant slowdown in demand for the inoculations, a trend that is likely to leave the county far below the levels needed to achieve so-called herd immunity. Through Tuesday, Flathead County had administered more than 47,000 doses of COVID vaccine, although almost all of those are one of two shots necessary for full protection. And Flathead County Health Officer Joe Russell told The Beacon last week that even his modest goal of getting 40% of the community to accept the vaccine Was in jeopardy. Russell said the health department is likely to scale back its three day a week clinics at the Flathead County Fairgrounds to just Tuesdays and Wednesdays in the near future, with more rollbacks coming if demand does not improve. Russell added that any number of vaccinated people in the community does have some impact of slowing the spread of the virus, and vaccine appointments are also now available at both the health department and a number of local pharmacies. All Montana adults are eligible to be vaccinated and can sign up for an appointment at flatheadhealth.org or vaccinefinder.org. In other news, a Lincoln County lawmaker is once again insisting that the years-long process leading to an acceptable selenium standard on Lake Cucanusa was rushed. Steve Gunderson, a Republican state representative from Libby, has introduced a bill asking the Montana Environmental Quality Council to reanalyze the standard, which was enacted to protect Kukanoosa's fish from contaminants produced by a Canadian mine. Gunderson's bill comes less than a month after that mine's owner, Tech Coal Limited, was fined a record $60 million by the Canadian government for leaching toxic contaminants into downstream waterways, including Lake Cucanusa and the Kootenai River in Montana. Gunderson also was one of the lawmakers behind a failed bill earlier this legislative session that would have repealed the standard altogether. This latest effort asks regulators for a, quote, comprehensive review of the rule and supporting data. Elsewhere, ballots went out for school board elections throughout northwest Montana this week, and the normally low-key contests are drawing increased attention thanks to a slate of candidates motivated by their opposition to in-school mask requirements. In Calispell, five challengers are campaigning together as a block to unseat five incumbents who say they are proud of the way the 11-member school board responded to every challenge of the pandemic including remote learning, allowing extracurricular activities, and focusing on how to create the best possible educational experience, considering the circumstances. Several of their opponents have been vocal critics of mask requirements all year and now say they are also running to increase curriculum surrounding the Constitution, something that is already taught in School District 5 from 5th through 12th grade. Ballots in Kalispell must be returned to the district office by May 4th. And finally, the Kalispell City Council devoted a work session on April 12th to discussing how its members use social media, only to end the session by taking no action. The meeting was prompted by ongoing discussion of a post on the Facebook page of Councillor Ryan Hunter, which other councillors alleged might have violated open meeting laws. Opponents countered that limiting social media use could violate the First Amendment. The council heard from two experts during the meeting, neither of whom recommended any specific action, and at the end of the meeting, Hunter said he was, quote, ready to move on. That's our show for this week. Remember, you can read more about all of these stories and catch up on the latest breaking news for free on our website. That's flatheadbeacon.com. Until next week, thanks for listening.